This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter, and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking and crucially listening to others is, something you have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by a real-life Disney princess, Naomi Scott. Naomi, who also starred in Power Rangers and Charlie's Angels, shot to fame when she showed us a whole new world playing Princess Jasmine in Disney's live-action remake of Aladdin. It took more than one billion dollars and made Naomi a star. Now Naomi is lending her voice to a dramatic new podcast, Soft Voice, about a London estate agent who navigates two very different voices inside her head. And she's about to star in Netflix's new series, Anatomy of a Scandal, where her character is involved in a sexual assault allegation. Today, Naomi opens up about her changing relationship with her Christian faith after growing up with her pastor parents, how marrying her husband, footballer Jordan Spence, at 21 years of age has enabled her to grow together with her husband, and how not fitting into the English Rose demographic of actresses has affected her. There are so many amazing words about defining faith on your own terms, and I hope you love listening to Naomi as much as I did. So crowns at the ready, queens. Here we are. So, <laughs> Naomi Scott, babe, how are you? I am fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm currently, currently in my car, you know, trying to create this this booth. Um, and everything was working against us. The rain came pouring down. Um, I was in an echoey office. It was just not. It was just not the one. But we figured it out, haven't we, Joshy? Babes, we always figure it out. And like every good Charlie's Angels, we find a way through, hun, don't we? <laughs> oh my gosh, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, you know me. I'll, I'll figure it out. Do you know what makes me sad about this? Is people aren't going to see the visual that is your stunning winged eyeliner you've been working on for a whole week, hun. I know, and it's kind of ruined by this big-ass jacket over my head, isn't it? To create the booth. <laughs> I love how, you know, this is the glamorous world of uh, of podcasts, guys. <laughs> this is the glamorous world of podcasts. And we're actually here to talk about your own podcast, aren't we? I Soft know. Voice, which I've listened to the first two episodes. And oh my God, babe, 
I'm obsessed. And for anyone who hasn't listened to it yet, it's a stunning comedy thriller podcast. And it's for anyone whose mind works at approximately 1 million miles an hour. This is totally the podcast for anyone whose mind works like that. Because you play London estate agent Lydia, who negotiates life with two contrasting voices. Soft voice, yeah. played by Val Poli, and dark voice, played by Olivia Cook, who I'm actually obsessed with too. Oh my gosh, so Who I. informs her decisions for better or for worse. And it's hilarious, but also is quite triggering at yeah. points too. What is the inside of your own head like, Naomi? Oh, firstly, what a great introduction, <laughs> Joshi. Thanks, babes. Um, that was awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. You know, the great thing about this podcast and the and and I think also about dark comedies, you can kind of delve into it. And I love that this is. It was just. It's so British. It's so specific tonally. Mm. And when we got the scripts, like I binge read the scripts because I just loved James Bloor, who's the creator. I loved his writing style, um, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of like you know Fleabag meets you know end of the effing world this kind of kind of stylized world and it's very personal to him you know it's kind of there's so many themes that he explores um in terms of you know the voices that we take on and 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 these narratives that we take on and even like performance culture this idea that we're you know Lydia has almost created this this voice that that helps her navigate mm. the world in a way that she feels like the world um expects of her you know this idea of whether that's cultural norms or you know we all kind of do it to to an extent and James can talk about this much more eloquently than I can but you know this idea because he you know growing up um uh you know as a as a gay young young boy and kind of this idea of okay I need to perform for the world um in terms of what the world expects of me and 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 creating this voice that helps you do that i think is really interesting versus a voice that is all about self and all about self-expression and doing whatever it is you want whenever you feel like it and what i love in terms of the feedback that i've got is like there's a lot a lot of different people have, have got different things from it you know and a lot it's it's they've connected to it in different ways and related to it in different ways and for me personally it's funny because me and me and my husband talk about it um he you know he's an athlete from like the age of nine right so he definitely soft voice and that idea of perfectionism he definitely relates to it's weird for me the, the whole dark voice kind of um you know narrative I I do relate to that in some way maybe because I feel like I've um maybe there's something to do with feeling like you've you've done everything quote unquote right maybe and then there's that voice of like yeah but you know what if you were just selfish completely and you know did whatever you want to do and how does that manifest itself in like relationships or marriages and you know the commitment that you make to someone and kind of going what if I just did whatever the hell I wanted you know what about you would you say that you're more like a perfectionist do you feel like you you kind of lean more into self and going with the flow or what what, what would you kind of connect to more well, it was really strange when I was listening to it because, you know, in the part where she's in the supermarket yeah. and it's basically like she's selecting the yogurt and she's like, if you get this yogurt, you'll be really successful. If yeah. you do this, you do that. And I used to have, well, I still do have OCD, but wow. I used to have really strong OCD thoughts when I was, um, when I was a teenager and I used to 
have to touch things certain amounts of times or I thought I was going to die or something bad was going to happen. And I basically had to live wow. my life like that for a really long period of time. And when I was listening to it, I was like, oh my God, this is, it was almost like that aspect of my mind was speaking through this character. And I was like, this is, it, it felt like my thoughts were very heard and seen for kind of the first time material that I haven't really seen before, if that makes any wow, sense. Oh, yeah. So do you, where do you think that need to control came from and where that stemmed from? And what was that process like? Well, it was also a bit, it was at a weird time because it was in kind of like the early noughties when no one talked about mental health. No one yeah. talked about what was going on inside their heads mm. in the way that we do now. And it got to the point where I was so... I used to have to like scrub my hands like red raw because I was so paranoid about germs or I thought something bad was going to happen if I didn't wash my hands a certain amount of times. And like when it got to that point, then people found out about it and I felt really ashamed about it because there is so much shame around talking about our internal thoughts, isn't there? Have you found that own shame in your own life about expressing what's going on inside? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, and I was... Um... You know, I've gone on a quite an interesting journey. I'm I'm a pastor's kid as well, so I I grew up in church, and actually my experience of church and um, you know, whether you want to call, you know religion or whatever, it, it actually isn't a negative one. Um, my parents are actually incredible, and my dad, you know, I always he was very open to questioning and um, you know to to really delving into some of those questions and sometimes we'd have you know hour long dis hours and hours we'd chat and at the end he'd kind of say you know what nay like sometimes you've got to live with um loose ends and that was something that actually I think because he was open it made me actually I felt more comfortable talking about things however I think when you grow up in church you can get a little bit cynical um in terms of the institution itself and so I question everything. Um, and I'm, I'm a big, big questioner. And I've gone through that process of going, you know, this idea of God, is it something we, and you know, I've heard this, this from, you know, atheists that I know, and this idea of, is it a need that, that we need that idea to lean on so, so as to comfort us from our lack of the, the lack of control that we have over our own lives mm. versus something that is real and I have really kind of delved into this and kind of figured out okay what makes sense for me I've had you know my personal walk with with God and, and I do feel like there are too many things and I mean whether that is something as simple as looking at the creation and the idea that creation is just this design and there must be there must be you know a designer behind that and also the idea of me believing that each human has value mm. and kind of going well, where do where do I get that from the idea that each human has value because not every society in history has has believed that but all I'm just you know trying to be honest about my journey and go yeah I, I so that's how I've kind of landed in where I am and and um the Bible's a whole nother minefield that maybe we don't have time for on this podcast. <laughs> Gosh, that needs hours and hours long um, to, to discuss that. But um, but anyway, in terms of, you know, faith, I definitely um, would say, yes, I, I feel like I do have a, a personal faith and a personal relationship with God. And 
Um, and I feel like um, grace, the, the idea of grace for me is, is something that doesn't really let me go. The idea of, you know, give, giving something to someone that they, that they don't necessarily deserve. And I feel like um, that stems from, from, from God and, and yeah, and how he kind of loves us. What do you think's maybe tested your faith the most or tested your faith in this idea of a bigger plan almost it's mm, a great question i think what's tested my faith is the ideas of god that i had growing up i think sometimes we grow up with ideas of god that maybe aren't actually what maybe what has been fed to us in terms of what we've been told god is or the you know the do's and don'ts or all these things and as you get older you almost feel like you grow out of them so then you you kind of go wait a second maybe it's all just a load of rubbish jordan's granddad always said like everyone needs to know god for themselves and i think that's so incredibly important i think sometimes as i said growing up in church and it can be so easy to go through the motions and then and still not really fully understand god and Sometimes I feel like we put God in a box. We think the idea of God is actually something that's quite um, contained and like regressive and not open-minded when actually I think the opposite. I, the more I've, I'm beginning to delve in, I'm like, wait a second, like, you know, these ideas that we have of God, it's actually, we're actually closed-minded. God is actually like going, no, 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 no. Like you don't even know the half of it. Um, so I think that things that have tested my faith is is growing up and and questioning sometimes Christians the idea of this this idea of a Christian also is the worst can be like I feel ashamed to even be associated um I can't connect with some of the things that they say and do and and there's a disconnect there so it's kind of like I think that's been a challenge for me or something that's offensive or something or even like the Bible itself and some of the things that are in there that I've just been like, whoa, 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 hold, a sec, hold up a sec. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, this does not, um, I can't pretend to even connect with this at all. Um, those are the things that have tested my faith that have then forced me, as I said, to, to force me to go, okay, either you should explore this and actually understand it for yourself and not put any kind of pressure on yourself but just be like no like delve delve into it see what you actually like discover um and um and yeah that's kind of that's kind of where I'm where I'm at but all throughout the process again I just feel like I've always felt God just wanting to be in relationship with me regardless of all the other stuff that's that's going on humans are so so imperfect and out for themselves you know so so you're kind of going wait a second is this just something that was created for power and etc you know it, it's trying to as i said reconcile something that is spiritual with with mm. humans who always seem to make it about their own personal greed and power but i think it's really interesting because that goes back to the themes of soft voice which is all about this internal dialogue we have with yeah. ourselves we're constantly questioning society and everything that's around us right mm. and i think we all have these voices we carry around with us mm. and 
this internal voice can kind of sometimes be the most powerful voice and it's kind of encouraging you to push yourself and to speak mm. up for yourself and mm. advocate for yourself and that's what happens in soft voice too to her detriment sometimes but ultimately most of the time it's to make sure she feels seen valued and heard is there a time you wish you advocated for yourself more and listened to that internal voice more oh 100 percent I worry too much about what people think about me, 100%. I think when I was younger, you know, starting out in the whole acting world, there was a sense of, you know, this idea of I have to be a certain thing. I think there's something interesting in, you were talking about, you know, Lydia, she's like finding her own voice or actually figuring out that, whoa, I don't even have my own voice. I don't even know what my own voice is. Um, and even with, you know, my in my industry, they like to put you, you know, in boxes, and especially back in the day, mm. Josh, um, being half British, half Indian was an interesting thing because, you know, it was either like they'll put you in the British Indian content box or, you know, I would find myself being like, oh, I want to be like an, you know, I need to be like an English rose because that's how I'm going to get work. And I, I need to be... Um, you know, I'd go up for period pieces and never, you know, of course, like I'd, back in, because I say back in the day, you know, like seven years ago, it wasn't, it was different. It wasn't, you know, I was just too, they couldn't place me, you know. Um, and actually it was, I was trying to be something that I wasn't rather than leaning into my unique advantage. In My unique advantage is just who I am. Your unique advantage is all of your experiences that you can bring to what you do. I think back to especially what you were saying earlier about projection and also being labelled. I think when you get there's so many boxes still in our society that are placed on people, labels are placed on people in order to make mm. them more digestible. So yeah. you also then have this problem when you're like, Oh, I'm a man and I'm a gay man. Mm. So but then am I being too flamboyant? Am I being too this? Am I wow. being too that? Wow. It's the two or am I like or am I trying to be like too masculine in this situation? And why am I trying to like take on this other part of a personality that's not even mine to then order in, to fit into a box that I don't even want to be part of? And you, this is what's, wow. it's just those constant negotiations, isn't it? And it's always goes back mm. to this idea of being to something. You're either to this or you're to that. To Have you that. had that? And that, cause it's so much sexism that comes with that. You're too much. You're to this. Oh, Josh, you're to a that. million percent. There was a moment where I I was like, I need to make sure I don't take any this British Indian content because then I'll just be in the Indian box. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to just get stuck there because I want to be like, you know, why can't I be like Kira Knightley? Why can't I be like, you know, all these English rose actresses that you look up to? So you're thinking oh, but I need to be like these white actresses in order to get these roles. So I need to reject that Indian, that, that otherness of me to, in order to succeed. And that's where, you know, and as you were saying, like, I find that so interesting. So, so yeah, it was like, I've had, oh, you're too, in, you're too, you're not white enough and you're not in. And then, and then also, by the way, Indian content, sometimes I get sent stuff and I'm like, guys, like I... I, this is not my story to tell because, you know, maybe it's a, uh, um, I, I don't know, a story that's set in India and it's like, 
there's a whole nother conversation that goes that's around like non-resident Indians like if you don't if you're not from India like I'm half English half Indian but I'm very British you know Mm. so I'm like I can't I can't even and then I find myself like I feel shame because I'm like oh you know someone's talking about something Indian and I don't know the references and I'm like oh no like I'm not Indian enough and I feel like I can't represent that that group but then I'm like you know I'm very very British but then I don't feel like I can be the posh so I've definitely had this like, am I too one to the other? And it's actually my husband that kept being like, why are you trying to be you? Because no one else is you, Naomi. I feel like one of the things we might actually have in common on this situation is the people pleasing yeah. thing and wanting to be liked by mm. everyone. And yeah. as you go through your whole life, especially at school where it's the most savage experience oh. ever with that, where you're constantly trying to be like, I need to be like everyone else to fit in or I need to be the most like person ever. And you forget yeah. yourself. And then then you end up assimilating to a tribe you don't even want to be part of. And then it takes oh you years gosh. to then try and find a tribe that you then settle into. School, I did do a bit of that, by the way. I, I remember hanging out with the popular girls and feeling so uncomfortable because I was scared I was going to make a wrong move. But finding my tribe... um. I've been very blessed, as I said, because me and my husband have been together since we were really, since we were really young and we've really grown together, which I do think is a rare thing because, you know, when I, I think more often than not, two people, they grow, they grow up and they grow up in different ways and we manage to grow, um, you know, whilst challenging each other, grow together and remain connected and 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 our friends that you know there are some friends that we've had since we were younger similarly we all we all we all challenge each other and we all are mm. very honest with each other so we have a we do have a wonderful wonderful friendship group um in that sense that is like our our family we've created our own tribe i guess um i think that would be very different for maybe you or other people who maybe have grown up and and I'm not putting this may not be your experience but I think especially when sexuality comes into play you know if if that if you're in a an environment that is not let's say inviting Mm. of you to be open about that um I think that is a that is a whole nother hurdle um and something a, a great challenge I don't know with you um and finding your tribe you know what was that what was that for you in terms of growing up and um did you feel like there wasn't you know you, you couldn't find that until like maybe later on oh my god definitely because you spend this whole time hating yourself mm. and carrying this secret around mm. with you and you're like oh my god this is so, mm. like i can't let anyone know this i can't open up a ballot so then you assimilate to everyone else around you and then you almost cut yourself off from finding those people because of the shame you have around opening up about who you are and what you're like, right? Mm. And who you like. And then mm. so you go for this full circle. And then now I think when I look back, I only really found my people when I was like in my like late teens, early 20s, maybe even a little bit yeah. later. That's when you discover mm. yourself and your people around you. And I think what's so interesting you were saying about relationships too is that actually relationships can really help you manage Mm. that and who you are because I think we're so taught as a generation to be this kind of like fierce independent woman independent man kind of generation and actually 
I've actually found from getting into positive relationships, that's been the thing that's helped me form who I am in new ways and also help me with my mental well-being too. Has that been like that for you as well? I love that. I love what you just said. I think that's so important. I I think, you know, this idea of you do you, surround yourself with people that encourage you. These are all great things. However, sometimes we can oversimplify it to surround yourself with people that agree with you in every way, shape and form. And mm. I I don't think, I believe, like you said, that relationships should also challenge us. And, and I love that you, you said that in terms of relationship was so key for you, your growth. I think that's so, so important. Um, which, by the way, is why it's so important who you choose to be around because you become the people that you are around, right? Um, but I think that I, I am a very firm believer in the people around you being able to speak into your life honestly um, and be like, whoa, 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 babes, like that ain't that ain't it, you know? Or or just or just you know challenging your way of thinking, and we definitely have that in our in our friendship group. Well, I think it's. I think most of your, I think your best friends should be a reflection of who you are as a person, but they equally should be able to call you up on stuff. Exactly. They should be able to say, like you were saying, babe, I don't agree with that. Like one of my friends, Holly, she's the queen of this. She'd be like, what do you mean by that? And I'd be like, uh, and then she'd Love it. quiz you on it. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Holly. You've actually taught me something about that opinion that I've either outgrown that opinion and I'm still spatting that opinion mm. and you're checking me on that opinion and it's helping me formulate a mm. new opinion. And if you are surrounded by yes people all the time who are saying, oh, you're great, babes, yeah. or that opinion's amazing or whatever. It's like even like my boyfriend, Tom, who's like, babe, you, yeah. <laughs> you need to like clean up after yourselves oh, yes, a little bit way, more. And I'm husband. like, what do you mean? That like, is literally our relationship for the last 10 years. <laughs> so you're me. So I'm guessing you're me in the relationship and and your your boyfriend, Tom, is is my husband, Jordan. That's what it sounds like. Babe, it's constantly like that. It's a negotiation. And I'm like, babe, I don't want to have this perfect life. The thing is, do you know what's really funny about that is it just doesn't change. Like if someone asked me what me and George fight about the most, it's literally like putting things away, like me putting things away. <laughs> Part of what makes him brilliant and he's very intelligent and he's very driven and in whatever he does, he will be successful. But part of that uh, that I love about him also means that he has... He, you know, likes things in a certain way. And so you kind of, you know, the thing, the very thing you love about someone, I don't know if you feel this, oh the very thing God. you love about someone can also be the thing that you bloody, just the noise. Babes, just before you. we got onto this podcast, I had an argument with him about that. They'll be like, not everything can be perfect, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, the, and... The towel can't always be put back perfectly, yeah, babe. And Josh, and do you like... also ever do that thing where you're like, you're stunting who I am. I No, but literally, I, I sometimes make... A dumb thing, like literally like, oh, I don't know, like say like my clothes being out, I'll make it like it's a really deep thing. Like this is who I am. Okay. Like I want the clothes out because I need creatively to, and Jordan's just like, don't even try it. Like you, <laughs> like, and, and he, <laughs> do you know, sometimes as well, it's like, there was the other day I was like, what do I do in this relationship? Because he literally does the bills, he cleans, he cooks, he does everything. And I realised, I went, what do I do? And he literally looked at me and he goes, you bring the fun. And I was like, okay. 
Babes, I feel so seen by this conversation. I literally, if I get told that kind of stuff, I make it into a huge thing in my head, like, oh my God, like the stunting thing. I just need this to be me. And it's complete bullshit. Literally, you make the the most stupid, like putting something away. And you're just like, you are not letting me be who I am. When really, when really they're just like, yo, just like put it away because you're going to lose it. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Exactly, and I lose everything. So this makes sense. Well, babe, that is the tea, and we're gonna serve some more tea after this quick little ad break. So hold that okay. line, hold that tea. Make It Rain is proud to be working with Aurelia London, the experts in probiotic skincare. I don't know about you, but coming out of winter, my skin is looking super dull. So to bring back my glow, I've been using Aurelia London's Probiotic Concentrate to supercharge my everyday skin routine, using it alongside the Aurelia London Day Moisturiser. Probiotic skincare gives the ultimate glow, no matter what your skin concern is, from fine lines to rosacea and even pigmentation or acne. And because Aurelia London and Make It Rain are all about empowering people to glow inside and out, I have a special code for you. Get 20% off the entire range by heading to aureliolondon.com and using the code JOSH20 at the checkout. Well, welcome back, Naomi Babes. This is just so much fun. I'm just loving this conversation, Joshy. Oh, babe, I'm grinning from ear to ear. And I mean, I feel like with most people, everyone, as soon as they instantly saw you, as Princess Jasmine, serving us those looks, babes, serving us that independent woman vibes. We were (laughs) on board. And I mean, that has been such an amazing catalyst in your career, Mm. hasn't it? A massive turning point in many ways. And like 2019 was a massive year for you. You then went on to be in Charlie's Angels, which is high kicking realness at its best. More high kicks than the Sporty Spice and the Spice Spice Girls Girls World Tour. Do you know what I mean? But was it quite a weird experience to go from having those huge moments in 2019 to then having to sit with yourself last year and and physically pause? Oh, I think that's such a great, um, it's a great question because I think that it forces you. I could have easily, you know, from that moment, you know, 2009, you could easily get on some sort of hamster wheel, right? of like, okay, now Mm. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And to be forced to pause and go, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? What do you, you know, that was so important because um, it just, it brings you back to basics in terms of why do I do what I do? I also went through, you know, a load of health stuff as well, which again, takes you back to basics and it, forces you to kind of just review everything and why you're doing it um so so yeah um it, it, I feel really blessed to have been able to have that time and also by the way sometimes as well when you're part of these big movies and you know Aladdin made what a billion dollars you have to also understand that you're part of that you're not the reason that it met you know you have mm. before before me you have Disney before me you have Aladdin is the star before me you have Will Smith before me you have you know Mina but like I was a part of that and that's amazing but I I also think that sometimes actors it it can you know a big success it can also be your worst enemy because then you're like oh okay well 
surely I sh you know, you, you then assume that every experience or you then assume that like, if it doesn't keep going that way or if you're not in a, a, another big hit or if you're not, you know, picked to be the lead of this other big movie, then it's like, you, you know, well, what's happening? You know, well, I, you know, I was just in a movie you know, and you start to compare yourself and you, you really can go into, sink into that, that dark hole. But, but again, when you go back to basics of like, no, forget all that, that was amazing, but no, I just want to be, I just want to be better. And for example, the show I'm on now, this Netflix show called The Anatomy of a Scandal based on a book by uh, Sarah Vaughan, um, this it's an incredible um, piece and it's it's an amazing cast you know Sienna Miller, Rupert Friend, Michelle Dockery um, and it's uh, SJ Clarkson is our director and it's it's basically um, about this MP who uh, it's gonna it's gonna come out that he's had an affair with his parliamentary researcher and you're following you know the aftermath of that with you know his wife who Sienna Sienna Miller plays and you're following this lawyer, Michelle Dockery. Um, it then comes out that she's going to accuse, she's accusing him of rape, and then ensues the court case. And it, it's it's a whole look at privilege, and that the sca the scandal is not just the rape, but the um, but privilege. Mm. And I play the parliamentary researcher that that accuses him of assault, and it was so fantastic written. I was like, I I want to fight for this role, and I think originally the the role was like a younger. Sienna Miller actually you know white blonde girl <laughs> and they ended up going they ended up going with me and again I don't think they thought of me necessarily for that role but I I really fought for it I wanted it I, I really wanted it and it, it it's been such an amazing experience and such a challenge but I've grown so much and just being around these really great actors and that's what you know I want to be doing work like that that I can really um that really challenges me so mm. so yeah that's i'm really excited about that that show and and the subject matter yeah. of anatomy of a scandal is i mean it's forever so important it's yep. about consent it's mm -hmm. about sexual assault it's yep. about the trauma of victims it's about privilege what have you learned or has some of that subject matter been very triggering to have to explore as well yeah i mean you know all i can say is um I'm never going to obviously fully understand and I can never, I can only do my best, you know, and, and um, a lot of that was mm. listening, um, whether that was, whether that, and, and I varied my content, um, everything from, you know, listening to interviews and people talk, talking to, and it's, it's, a, it's a shame that I don't have to go far outside my remit to, to also know friends and people that have, you know, experienced sexual assault and talk talk to them and then even like you know there's this play called Prima Facie uh, by this Australian playwright and she's also a lawyer defense lawyer and it it was it was the most it was so interesting because it's basically about um this defense lawyer and she defends people who have been accused of sexual assault and she kind of talks about how you test the law you test the law and and you know that is that's just the way it is you know and and the law should work and you know that is that's enough and that's justice and then actually she's in a in a situation where she's assaulted and it's a he said she said thing and she realizes how wow maybe the law doesn't work for these victims mm. maybe maybe there are things that are intrinsic and maybe there are things that are that are um whether it's miseducation surrounding assault whether it's just you know the way that these that these trials are 
the process of them, whether it's the things that we use against victims, i.e., why didn't you leave, i.e., why didn't you call the police straight after, that actually speak to, there, there's such trends in terms of someone who has gone through a trauma and how they would react in that moment, that actually they're the very things that, that, that actually you shouldn't be using against them, but actually should be for them. Mm. Uh, and so the way that we look at it so black and white when we're questioning these victims and and and, and then it, then, by the way, there's a the whole thing of, of society and how, you know, this this idea of not believing a victim and kind of going, and for me, you know, just listening to people's experiences, whether, you know, in conversation or just like watching things as it pertains to sexual assault, it was it was so illuminating because each person that, you know, the similarities and the contrasts in their experiences, whether it's someone that you know and trust that you could never imagine doing this to you, uh, whether it's a stranger, whether it's an abusive relationship, I think part of part of the problem is we also like to put sexual assault in this box of what we think sexual assault is. And if it doesn't fit into that box, then we're mistrusting of it. And I think this show begs the question, it asks us as society, why? Like, why are we mistrusting? Why are we so quick to disbelieve a victim? Mm. Why is our initial reaction to question them rather than protect them? And I think the answer is very complex and very multifaceted, but it's really important and it's really worth asking. And that's why I just applaud the bravery of people that speak out because let me tell you from my discussions and my you know limited understanding there is not a lot to be gained other than for a lot of time that feeling of I don't want this to happen to someone else and and you know for people that are brave enough to tell their story hopefully bit by bit it not only empowers other survivors and gradually chips away at the stigma that we so often attach to victims but it also educates us so that we can we can shift our focus on the on the actual problem which is the perpetrators you know um that's where the problem lies so it's been yeah i i i feel very um uh blessed to be able to and i do feel a sense of responsibility in terms of this role um but for me, it's always about what is the filmmaker's vision and, and does that align and, and how they want to portray this character and how they want to portray the story. And I trusted SJ so much that I felt really comfortable and empowered with the decisions that we were making on set. And I felt really, um, really, yeah, really happy with that. So, um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of the work that we've done. And I think it, it is about, I think it's going to, ask more questions of the audience than try and win win an argument what i think is so amazing about what you just said and which i really loved is the listening aspect and actually throughout that whole discussion if we actually just listened to people more and we listened to victims and listen to everyone around us we will create a better society oh 100 percent. i think empathy right isn't empathy just yeah. I, I really am just as I've been thinking about this you're right listening and not just listening to respond but listening to understand um and the more we do whether that is this whether that's you know what happened last year in terms of you know I think there were a lot of people that had to 
look at themselves in the mirror and go wow i've you know i've i've not there's so much that i am don't know in terms of black lives matter and um and uh, and it not as i said not being defensive but just listening just listening mm. um and so for this in particular i found it that that was the best way for me to to just um what's the word to to to, to to listen and to, to to take in all this content and then figure out how my character uniquely would navigate her situation. You know, she's still in love with the person who's who's caused her so much pain. What does that look like? And that's another thing. It's like we question, you know, why whether it's why didn't whether it's domestic abuse and why didn't you leave? Whether it's you know this this conflicted feeling of what? But what if you're in love with the, and and that doesn't just necessarily go away you know you still might be in mm. love with them you still might like and that's what i mean about it's so complex that we, that sometimes in the court of law and the court of public opinion it's oversimplified and if we don't understand what sexual assault does to someone then how are we going to understand the symptoms and the effects and whether to use that to not use that against them, to, but to actually understand that that maybe this validates their claims. Mm. Oh my god, that 100%. makes any sense. Oh, babe, makes all the sense. And I think ultimately, you are out there. You're doing the work. You're shattering those boxes. You're making it rain, honey, over your own life. You're making it rain in your pocket of the industry, and you're making change. And and you're doing it from listening and absorbing and shattering boundaries and that's what it's all about and that's what's being a queen is all about and making it rain and at the end of every episode babe we always ask our queens in the reign of your life what is the one rule you will always live by keep the main thing the main thing that's what i always say to myself keep the main thing the main thing because j cole says i, I love j cole he uh, one of his lyrics is the good news is I came a long way. The bad news is I went the wrong way. Like, what is this idea of like, what is success to you? You can, as I said about the, the hamster wheel, you can go, 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 go. And then you find that you're in a place that actually that's not even what I want. So figure out what is the main thing to you in terms of what you want from life or what success means to you. And then make sure you're reminding yourself of that, you know, every day. I love that. That is a freaking great message to end on. And thank you so much for joining me underneath the confession quilt that is the sound booth that you've I've created in your car, babe. This is hilarious. I've taken a screenshot, by the way, and I'll send it to you. You can use it. <laughs> Please send it to me because I feel like this is just hilarious. This, this needs to be, this needs to be released, babe. This stunning screenshot. It's brilliant. Oh my God, I've loved talking to you. I can't wait for that drink, babe, so we can put that world to rights. We've got many conversations to pick up from this, actually. By the way, and I want to get into it. Yeah, I'm so down. Oh, babes, we're going to have to have an agenda. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, queens. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as so much away from it as I have. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time. 
and make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.